She is the queen of pop. Queen B said, who runs the world? Girls do. And today we can definitely confirm that is indeed true with the news that AJ Lee is back in the wrestling game, not in the ring, but basically running a huge televised promotion that just got a major TV contract. Plus, a big controversial name is also back in the wrestling world. AEW has just launched a brand new championship for women in wrestling. It's a big episode of it. We're getting into it. Kate Hensler is with us. It is the Inside Cradle from Sports Gator Wrestling. Watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out. Oh, watch out, watch out, watch out indeed. I'm Kev Kellum. That is Rick Uchino. Rick Uchipo, depending on who you speak to. Um, Do not invoke the name of Kenny Bolin on this show. Don't do it. All right. We, we, we don't need to go there. All right. We, we don't need to bring up Kenny Bolin and his nicknames. Okay. I'm trying I to mean, give you something you don't have, Rick. It's called personality. All right. Oh, okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. And not for nothing, but you were the one who just brought up who brought it up. So <laughs> I did. I that was up. kind of on you, Rick. I gotta be yeah. honest. Like, no, uh, like, okay. <laughs> the great Kenny Bolin, uh, who we have frequently on, on Sports Gita Wrestling, is just d- gave gave Rick that name uh, just to rip I, on I him. I lived rent free in his head for some reason. <laughs> there you go. He cannot come on our uh, station. I almost said Airwolf. That's the radio thing. Coming. He cannot come on our, our platform. Our platform. About me. Our platform. He's not talking about me. It's really weird, actually. There's no, there's no way not to blow hard air out of your mouth without saying our platform. Uh, this is, this is the deepest dive we do every single week inside Cradle. Uh, uh, we go into all the different topics, longer conversations, wild ideas, uh, and we we add that to all the other content, including Vince Russo with us every single Monday covering Monday Night Raw, Dutch Mantel with uh, Rick every Friday night after Rampage and SmackDown. I'm on Top Story every single weekday. And Kate, you are uh, one of our compatriots in the wrestling media world uh, from our friends over at Fightful. Uh, tip of the cap to old uh, Millennial Meltzer himself, Mister Mister Sean Rossap. Uh, and so you, you've been busy in the game. We got, we have a lot of female focused wrestling stories to cover today. So it was great to have your perspective on it. And you do such a good job over there. Uh, also, also a, a tip of the old sweaty pop punk cap to my to my buddy Robert DeFelice over there. As well. <laughs> um, so we we have this story here. It's a huge one. It's something fans have wanted for a long time. I don't know if this is the one they were expecting. A big press conference in Las Vegas this week uh, with the owner of the Los Angeles Lakers basketball team uh, and, and a, a very popular longtime running producer in the wrestling world, McLean, and the Wow brand, which has been out of the picture uh, since well before the pandemic here. They no longer have a television deal with Axis, but they do have a big TV deal with Viacom CBS. And they've brought back AJ Lee. They brought back AJ Lee as an executive producer and she also serve as a color commentator on the all-female focused show, which which created some really great ground and was a different show when it ran. Uh, and this is, I believe, the third or fourth incarnation of WoW in some time since the 90s. Uh, McLean, of course, was the original uh, producer behind the very popular and influential 1980 show Glow, which got to have its own dramatization series on Netflix. Kate, uh, your take on this. AJ Lee, very popular WWE name. People have wanted her back in the business. People just assumed, oh, she's married to CM Punk. She's going to AEW. This is probably the biggest curveball that's been thrown this year in wrestling. Yeah, I love this move for a lot of reasons one this always blows people my people's minds and nobody more than mine i started watching in 2009 for some reason 
I learned how much better wrestling was and got <laughs> 2009. That's when I got into it. I got into it late and the women's division, the divas butterfly division uh, at that time was the bathroom break. There was nothing really exciting about it going on kind of until this very important moment where uh, AJ Lee, AJ Mendez, one, she took a hell of a bump from the big show on a random SmackDown that caught some people's eye. And then oh. she started to work her way into that picture and became incredibly influential before the four horsewomen. You had AJ and you had Paige. And all of a the sudden there was like a woman who was great, who could wrestle. Um, and it was more than kind of the direction that a lot of the main roster seems to be at now, sadly. It was more than just these promos about being bitches. Like all of a sudden this woman could show up and wrestle and was great um, and was giving enticing promos and slowly earning more and more screen time. So she is someone that as a women's wrestling fan and a female wrestling fan, a fan of women's wrestling and a female who is a wrestling fan, hugely influential. I think sometimes her legacy gets a little bit lost because of what happened shortly after she retired with Bailey and Charlotte and Sasha um, and Becky obviously coming up and opening the floodgates a little bit further but before that like I had no interest in Michelle McCool's unfortunately like even when even with the more skilled workers from that era they were getting three minutes of screen time like go get yourself over in three minutes nobody can do that so um she was such a pioneer for women's wrestling she was an advocate for women's wrestling an advocate for mental health I think she is going to be such a helpful mind and great on commentary it's very cool that she chose to lean into this as an executive producer there, it'll be interesting to see if they retain her um, because there are other possible doors. I've been very vocal about my complaints about the AEW women's division. So I was hoping that she would go there or we that will Amy touch on it. was. Um, we, will we will touch on that. Getting better, I think. They've they've given me false hope before, though. Yes. Um, but I, I her mind being back in wrestling when her neck can't is a great thing for for women's wrestling and wrestling in general and it's just very interesting to see you know i heard Meltzer talk about this at length like when fox takes a risk on something like smackdown there's a trickle down effect there right that oh reaganomics okay. i mean AEW doesn't give that tnt deal if that fox deal didn't happen for a billion dollars then there was Absolutely. a billion dollar. There's two billion dollar deals from NBC Universal, and now you have the talk of does WWE get bought by one of these major companies? It's content. It's streaming. You need proprietary content, uh, and that is what Viacom CBS is trying to do here. Uh, do we have any details on where the show might air, though? Uh, that that's the one part that's kind of um, not exactly clear. I know they talk about syndication, uh, and syndicated TV is is still a very profitable thing, but. A lot of people got to be hoping this ends up on a streamer like Paramount Plus. That's what I'm thinking is, is probably going to happen. I don't believe they've announced that yet. They made some other announcements this week that I'm sure we're going to get into, but I think yes. maybe oh, yeah. they want to let that dust settle before they announce where it's actually going to be. Or maybe they're still figuring that out. That is a very complicated side of this business. Yeah, uh, Kate, I do want to chime in on one one other thing that uh, that you brought up there. So many people look at the the women's evolution, right? And they they pinpoint that big eight women's tag match that got all of thirty seconds, and that started the big hashtag movement. You know, give divas a chance, and this, that, and the other thing. And then almost like the next week, they bring up you know Charlotte and and Becky and Sasha, and everything's off to the races. And everybody equates that with being like the start of the women's evolution. And to your point. 
it started before that. It started with AJ Lee and Paige on the main roster. And even, you know, in NXT before that with the four horsewomen who were eventually brought up, but also Emma uh, down there as well. And, you know, sure. I, I do think AJ Lee is somebody who doesn't get nearly enough credit and one thing that really resonated with me when, you know, she did the press conference last night was talking about, you know, growing up, I didn't see anybody like me on television, you know, and that was really, really important for her is like she had to come up and, you know, create an avenue for herself and for others, you know, and, and for the next generation. And that's what this is all about is building up the next generation uh, of superstars and, and giving chances to, to people and, and opening up those avenues and creating new stars and creating, you know, all different types of stars. And that's why I think this is such a, a home run hire for, for, for wow. One, it's name recognition. Two people are going to tune in to see her on commentary because we want AJ Lee on TV in some way, shape or form. Uh, AJ Mendez. Sorry. If that's what she's going to buy now, but, I, I was ecstatic. Like I was literally, I'm in the middle of watching dynamite last night and the news breaks and I just jump up with my phone and just start like running around the living room. <laughs> I'm so damn happy because Kev, I talked about this. I was one of those guys, right? When, when they, when CM Punk came back and the news broke, I was like, Oh, that's cool. Is AJ coming with him? Yeah. Like, can, can that, can that be a thing? Uh, I, I was really hoping she'd come back and wrestle. Maybe that's in the cards down the line. Maybe not, you know, Probably not with the neck, but the the fact that she's back, this is a big deal for WoW. She's obviously still very, very passionate. It was such a great thing to hear her say that she never lost her passion uh, for pro wrestling like like CM obviously did. Uh, so it's going to be great to see what uh, what she does with them. And I'm hoping I get the chance to talk to her because she's like a uh, top five interview of all time for me. So I really hope that happens. It obviously opens up the question, is there a chance she can perform in the ring? It doesn't seem like that's abundantly, you know, clear. I, I, it doesn't seem like we're going in that direction. She's going to be an executive producer. Don't worry. She's going to be on camera. Uh, but uh, obviously everyone's going to want to see a match. They're going to want to see something. Uh, and she's been out of the ring for a significant period of time. We've seen other people come back from neck injuries that maybe 10, 20 years ago were, were something people can't do. Now we we're not doctors or anything like that, but if she got back in the ring, that that would be a, a massive coup for a while like like a, like a really like they, they've always been this ancillary i don't want to say niche brand because it feels like i'm writing it off that isn't that isn't what they are it's a niche uh, though it's women yeah, <laughs> so that's yeah. But, but i mean I'm, i don't like that because it makes it, feel, it i don't want to diminish what they're doing you know sure. what i mean so uh and i, I i've been able to talk to mclean who's uh, i think i think a very forward-thinking maverick guy in wrestling he's not that he's not the average wrestling producer and has a long history of doing these type of things um and also you have the owner of the lakers you know what i mean like you have you have real people involved in this and they want to do something very unique with it um and i think her coming back to it would be really really huge like her having a match that they can build up to um and it, i don't know if it even even you do one or two even you do a physical angle, it's it's going to be significant, and yeah. I think a lot of people are going to be clamoring for it. It'll be, I think, it'll be unfortunate if they can't do it. I, I understand why they can't. I, do I it. don't think it's going to really hurt them if they can't, because no. you know, even even it, would, it wouldn't Punk, hurt him in the long run. It wouldn't no, hurt him in the long run. Even CM Punk talked about it. He's like he, one of the first interviews he did. He got you know once he came back to AEW, he was asked about you know AJ, and he was like, "Look, I don't think that's going to happen because of her neck." So he kind of tried to squash that yeah. uh, immediately. Now he could have been saying that because he knew this Wow thing was in the works, and you know didn't want to spoil anything on that too. Edge also said, "Hey, look, I'm not coming back. It's Worked not me. Good. 
Work you me good, brother. I don't care. Like, I mean, like, if, if that's if that's the way you want to do it to keep people going, you know? Right. Right. There's there's, pl- there's to... plenty of people I knew that Edge was coming back for a long time that didn't say anything. And then I ran him and was like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> like, 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 you can't you. believe a damn word anybody says these days. So, you know, take everything <laughs> yeah. with a grain of salt. Cody's not turning heel either, guys, but Brandy's walking out of the heel tunnel. Like the media, that's it's the most fun thing ever to me. It's also wildly frustrating because you never know what's really going on. But it's super fun when people use the media as a device to either work or not work. I think the initials on CM Punk's sneakers are certainly seem to be the tell-all for everything. But yeah. I think even if you got just the the significance of AJ stepping in the ring, even if she's not doing a ton, even if she's not taking a single bump, if she's just doing something, that moment of her returning into the ring for wow would be so significant because she is kind of a forgotten pioneer of the time that I was watching for sure. Like there was nothing enticing in in women's wrestling for me as a fan at that time. So, um, I think there might be a happy medium of maybe we're not putting her neck at risk and, Everybody is going to like Brian Danielson and and Edge, and I'm like, look at Sting of all people. Like, <laughs> what? He's doing it again, and real old, and doing it again. So, I think as long as you use people in a proper way, there's always a way that you can physically involve them in a match, but keep them protected. I'm just so excited because, to your point, I don't think it hurts them because right now women's wrestling. It's great. I have my booking complaints about women's TV wrestling, but if you look at things that we're going to get into down the line, between the return of this, between what Ring of Honor did, who's never really cared about women's wrestling, crowning Roxy, and... Yeah, we will talk to Ian Riccoboni in today's episode. That full interview is out now on the SportsKey YouTube channel, the voice of Ring of Honor. He lays out the real mind that pushed this, and it is a WWE person from around that same time that AJ broke out, he has a lot to say about Maria Canellis and how she was a uh, very much a a, a, a forward pu- push for for Ring of Honor to go with the, presenting their own title recently. We'll get into that. We'll play a clip of that. I just just want to do the front sell, Kate. Just want to do the sure. Front sell. No, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's it's something I was so excited to see because they brought in so many incredible names to that tournament. I felt like who they picked to fuel that forward was fantastic. Maria and Mike Canellis, by the way, just doing wonderful work in Ring of Honor. Um, we have the Queen of the Ring tournament coming up. We I'm calling it that because I don't give a crap. It's the Queen Everybody's of the Ring tournament. It that. It's the Queen of the Ring tournament. We have the TBS title at AEW. Like there is so an MLW stirring about a women's division too. Like you are now seeing this trickle down effect of what happens when sadly, maybe it shouldn't be this way, but when companies realize that women's wrestling that's good can make them money, it yeah. trickles down the same way that Fox investing in SmackDown trickles down. Um, so I, as a woman who loves women's wrestling, it is awesome to see, but to your point, it's not like they necessarily need AJ to step in the ring because there's so much great women's wrestling happening all over the world right now. Would it be a huge coup? Absolutely. Does, does it, this company's success hinge on it No. in a way like it might have a decade ago? I don't think so. So that's pretty cool that we've made that much progress in such a short amount of time. But they did bring somebody back to yeah. the ring, and they brought back somebody who, with them, comes a, a lot of controversy, a lot, maybe some hesitation. Uh, may, maybe you get a little bit of the, you get a little of the sugar, the sweetness of <laughs> oh, AJ's back with a little bit of the salt uh, uh, of Tessa Blanchard. 
Uh, Tessa Blanchard was a part of WoW. Uh, she did have a dual role. She was also part of another brand that aired on Axis TV, Impact Wrestling. Uh, she abruptly left them as their world champion. She was the first uh, top-level champion presented by a major television promotion in the United States. Uh, and she won the Impact World title and then abruptly had to vacate that pandemic, all these different things. Uh, but her exit was was reportedly very abrupt and very nasty with the company. And she left on some nasty terms uh, right after they put the title on her. Uh, and, and a pay-per-view, Hard to Kill, uh, some, some awful things came out about things that she was accused of doing. Things that she did not deny uh, saying to people that, that would be deemed unacceptable in almost any circle of business or entertainment anywhere in the world, any society. And uh, she has worked a handful of matches here and there. She did work one or two things uh, and was basically out of the picture. She was training. She, doing, she was staying active. Still looks like a million bucks based on uh, you know, some pictures we saw here from this press conference. But she's back in the fold with, wow, Kate, your take on this. Is it the right time to do this? Uh, you know, this was an interesting one. And a lot of the terrible things that she's accused of saying, uh, are racist. So I wouldn't, (laughs) if I were you and I was listening to us, I would go listen to black creators talk about their takes on it. Cause I think that matters more. I'll put over Fightful with this. They just started Grapsity, which is going to be a fantastic addition already is to our show, uh, or to our network over there at Fightful. Um, so, so listen to their thoughts on this with more weight than you're going to listen to mine but i will say you know she's not in wwe she's not in AEW. she burned her bridges at impact uh she's probably going to wrestle again and it's probably going to be at a promotion that's at this tier so i think uh you know i'm a big believer in in second chances and opportunities and things like that but she also never really kind of like adequately apologized in a public facing way. If she did behind the scenes to how she left impact, good for her. If there's more to that story, that's also possible. But to me, there's a few things wrong with this picture, which is not only what she did and said, um, but the, the lack of remorse and the lack of accountability. So I'm all for people having additional chances to earn goodwill back. I don't think it's necessarily unforgivable, but I don't think it's for me to say whether it's forgivable or not. Agreed. Um, Agreed. No. And that, that's why I didn't go into too many details about what she said, because I, I don't think it's my place to, to say how awful that is, because it's awful. It's just and, awful. And, and I've seen, you know, um, numerous people in uh, colleagues of ours fans who are really upset over this and mm-hmm. who are uh, uh, of the opinion that, you know, they are not going to, you know, forgive Tessa for the accusations against her. Um you know, something that she kind of denied on an Instagram post, but not really. And, you know, they are just accusations. But at the same time, when there's smoke, there's fire typically. And there's a lot of smoke uh, surrounding <laughs> this. Um, several women uh, speaking out here. And, yeah, a kid, I'm like you. I'm, I'm all for uh, second chances. And I'm, I'm also not going to sit here and tell people how they should feel about this or say that they're not, uh, you know, willingness to to forgive her or her, their, their unwillingness to forgive her isn't unjustified or justified or whatever. Feel how you want to feel about it. Yeah, but you're right. by the way, not all black people have to feel the same way. No, that's like something that I think gets lost in these conversations. Like a lot of people feel like if you're an advocate for black wrestling, that means everybody has to feel a certain way. Like, man, you have to leave space for everybody to feel how they feel about the situation. But listen to the people who are actually affected by this on, on a deeper level is what I would encourage you to do. But it's it's clearly her her career like trajectory because she was an absolutely outstanding piece of what impact was doing and she couldn't go get signed anywhere else 
with like a higher platform than wow so it's uh, a lot of maybe a, it made her think yes it's a lot of bad things like concussively because it happened right before the news came out right before she was going to win this title yep. and, and they were going to do this historic thing so there was some calculation in terms of what somebody wanted that wanted to put that out there and here's the thing i'm not saying it's a bad thing but I'm just saying that happened, then she leaves, then the pandemic, and then it gets drawn out, and then it simmers, and then there's no – it's nope. just sitting there and simmering, and people are asking when she's going to come back and when are we going to be angry about it. And the, You know what I mean? It's, like, <laughs> yes. And don't forget, Kevin, by the way, she's the one who stepped on this landmine herself. Yes. She's the one who put out this tweet talking about how we all need to support each other and this, that, and the other thing, and then every, it seemed like, like every female wrestler out there just jumped down her Was like, throat. wait a minute. You yeah, hold, <laughs> yeah, yeah, hold exactly. the hell on. But, <laughs> look, I, I'm hoping. What I'm what I'm hoping here is, you know, she did put out this Instagram post where she says, "Look, I'm I'm not racist. That's not who I am." Um, and that and only she knows that for sure. And I know there's a, a large, you know, portion of the the wrestling fan base out there who's not buying it. What I'm hoping is, is this is we we can chalk this up to immaturity. She is only 26 years old. A lot of this stuff happened early on in her 20s, and you know, I'm not saying you know I. We all did stupid shit in our early twenties, and that's not forgivable. It's not saying you have to forgive what you know. Now what you're making, now you're making me think of some dumb things I've done recently. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like no, but to your point, like there are certainly things that I said in my early twenties that I would never say now, and I I think it's important to understand that people grow and mature over time, and uh, we didn't have like. Like I started my Twitter over. I don't think I've ever said anything that was that terrible. But if you don't think I deleted all my tweets at some point, because God forbid, not for a matter of public perception, for a matter of myself, that that's not who I am as a person anymore. I don't think I've ever been dumb enough to put anything that offensive out there. But I don't know everything that I said. There's probably just shitty song lyrics I was tweeting when I was 19, like an idiot that oh, I don't yeah. want associated oh, with my name totally. anymore. You know? Come on. So your your bio is a Panic at the Disco song, Kate. You can't have that. Don't, yo, things are going well for me right now. Please don't. Please don't divert. <laughs> Hensler 2024. This just in. Kate oh, Hensler's presidential run oh, has no. been dashed. She <laughs> loves Brandon Fury, and it is over. <laughs> I do not. I am a grunge girl through and through. Damn it. I went to emo night, but I didn't love every piece of it. Um, I didn't love it. I always sing along with garbage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not <laughs> Not forbid anybody find my Zanga page, by the way. Oh boy, oh, nobody, nobody dig oh that God. thing up. We got we got a thirty-something emo boy coming in here. What are you doing? My I gosh. mean, yeah, no, but seriously, the same thing. Like, I I didn't start my Twitter over, but God forbid anybody go back all the way through my. Not that anybody would want to, because who the hell am I? But go back to like when I was tweeting back in two thousand nine, uh, when I was yeah that that emo guy who just got dumped in college. Like God knows what the hell I tweeted back then. Do you know but, how many things I probably did? Like with bad capitalization and asterisk. Oh yeah. Like I don't need yes, people Ellen, knowing I, I did that. All sorts <laughs> of things. So that's what I'm hoping here is we can chalk this up to immaturity of somebody doing shit they didn't realize how bad it was, and it had ramifications. Look, she's not in WWE. She's not main eventing WrestleMania. She's not in. She didn't get signed to a lucrative contract in AEW, even though her dad works for the company. Right. She is getting a second chance to start over, and now it is on Tessa. It's on Tessa to earn the respect of the fans back, to earn the respect of her colleagues back, to be an outstanding co-worker, an outstanding person from here on out. And maybe she can turn her career around. And if she doesn't, she's not going to be wrestling very much longer. 
No, I'd imagine yeah. she's on the shortest of leashes at WoW. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of talent out there, not just her. You know, they had really strong talent. They had Santana Garrett. They had like a lot of top tier people that were in the independence that they brought into play specific roles. Some of them didn't play the same roles as the same characters they had before here. And you wonder what AJ is going to do. You know, they're coming in and they're saying, Hey, we want a fresh perspective. We want, obviously they, they I think they had, they had female influence on these stories. It wasn't just McLean, you know, coming down from the top and saying, you're doing this, but uh, it's interesting to say that she's going to have the book. This is going to be a major name involved in the creative end of professional wrestling. You already see it with Maria Canellis. And Molly Holly recently had a high-ranking role in WWE that they brought her in in the last year. Please, so, for the love of God, more women in creative. Yeah, for yeah the love and, of God, more women in creative. And there was some yeah. dialogue that we're seeing on SmackDown specifically now over on Raw. Like seriously, they the entire Liv Morgan Carmella feud was built around "I'm hot, you're not." Like what the fuck? Pardon and me. And for the love of God, and I'll just—I am a straight woman. There is no way somebody can conceivably tell me Liv Morgan is not also hot. For the confirm, love of God. Give me one second. I'm going to check with the source on this. Yeah. You're right. She's a babe. Uh, yeah. So it doesn't work yeah, on that no, level uh, either. Um, but yeah. yeah this... Interviewed her for 18 minutes. I was smitten the whole damn time. I can tell you she's very, very. If she was a president, she would be Abraham Lincoln. That is that is that is factual i'm getting i'm hearing from sources that that is true she would be abraham like she's gorgeous and it's a stupid and tired feud and this is i've said this multiple times and now seeing nxt 2.0 i i am more confident than ever i think john laurinaitis and vince mcmahon think the attitude era is timeless and that scares the shit out of me because it's not i understand but some it fans the... They, the fans keep clamoring for stuff like that and telling they saying they want things like that so it's How kind of confusing them ratings though man because they're not at eight million they're at like no. lower than two so who is who is it I just... <laughs> i'm just saying wrestling in general yeah you know? but also they're making these changes in nxt 2.0 to bring in a younger audience and i think they're like highest rated demo for this past tuesday show was 62 years old so Hysterical. again, only four weeks, only four weeks, but it, it ain't working uh, so far. We'll we'll get to NXT 2.0 coming up, coming up here in a little bit. But Kevin, you did bring up uh, Maria Canellis. Mm -hmm. You had a chance uh, to talk to uh, the voice of uh, Ring of Honor this week and uh, talked a lot about the uh, the women's division, including uh, the woman behind the success that they've been having recently in Maria Canellis. All right, let's get this clip going here. In just a second, Ian Riccoboni, what do you got, bud? Um, tell me about the, the women of honor effort and how that is truly broken out in the past few months. You've done. Yeah. I, I think what's really key about the ring of honor women's division is what you see on television is authentic. Maria Canales Bennett is the person who is scouting the talent. She is the one talking to Booker T and saying, Hey, do you have any students that are ready? Do you have anybody that's ready to break out? Are they ready to get a shot? She's the one talking to Mickey James and saying, Hey, We'd really like to use uh, Chelsea Green. We'd really like to have in Allison Kay. We'd really like to have in Marty Bell to be a part of what we're doing. Can we bring him in? And she's the one saying, hey, we have these other talent too. And we have, you know, we have Rock, you know, Booker T gave his blessing to Roxy. She's absolutely ready. She's a star. You know, maybe we can have her do this or that. Or Miranda Alizé, same thing. Or just this diamond in the rough that's been, 
in Texas, really grinding, making a name for herself in, in Mexico as well. So Maria Canellas Bennett, what you see is what you get. You know, she's the real deal, the genuine artifact. She is the person responsible for the division. And when you have somebody with that kind of credibility, when you have somebody who can put themselves in the talent shoes, I think before uh, when we had the division, it, the folks that were in charge and the folks that were scouting the talent didn't have the same experience as Maria did. And that's not to belittle anybody or that's not to put down anybody, but to have somebody that's that's been there, done that, got the T-shirt, you know, 17 years ago, she made her debut in WWE, I, I think as a teenager. Um, you know, she was somebody that has been a, through the through the grinder. You know, she says it herself. She's been around the world and back again. And she has the experience with Ring of Honor. She'd been in Ring of Honor previously for about three years or two years. So she's somebody that talent can trust who they know she has lived and breathed what they're trying to do. And she's been the catalyst to the success. So uh, great, great discussion there. That full interview is up now on our channel. Part one of it. We're going to drop another part of it as well. So, cause we went into depth. This is first interview we've done with uh, someone from ring of honor a while as they kind of ramp up and get back out there. Uh, they had quite the tournament. Uh, I, I know, I know ring of honor, gets pushed in the in the in the uh, out of things with WWE back in front of live fans and AEW being red hot and all these different things but I think they did a great job during the pandemic with the with the no fan stuff that they filmed they were the first people to do extensive testing during the pandemic when it was like do we have to do that is it not something we're supposed to do uh and Ian and I went into detail on that but this women's division I think is really really strong for them I thought Alizé is an incredible heel I thought Roxy was an incredible baby face they picked the perfect two people to go to the end here a moment with her family at the end of it truly organic stuff it stole the pay-per-view they stole the pay-per-view and I think they were set up to do that and then people had to go on after them guys like Roosh and Brody King couldn't follow <laughs> they they had good matches but they could they couldn't follow at all I'll say this much between Roxy being 19 and between Maria making her debut 17 years ago, I feel old as shit right now. That's all. <laughs> That's all. Don't go on CM Punk's Instagram where he posted a picture of AJ Mendez and a child Roxy then because that oh, made me God, I saw it. I saw it. so old. First of all, Ian Riccoboni and Caprice Coleman are my favorite commentary team in the game. They do such an incredible job. I'm so glad you sat down with him. What they add to pure matches specifically, because they are so technical when you see them live, is unbelievable how they fill in the story for you. It's so, so, so well done. They explain the rules every time without being condescending. Like, I just can't put over Riccoboni enough, so I'm so glad you talked to him. What they did with... A, in the pandemic, considering they were up against a pandemic and they just lost Marty Scroll for obvious reasons, on top of like rebooting themselves at a time that was the most challenging time. It's some weeks, my favorite television. I love Ring of Honor. What they did with this women's division is great. And not even just with Roxy and Miranda Alize, like uh, Willow Nightingale. Chelsea Green, Trisha Adora, what they did with her and, and the story they have with Shane Taylor promotions going on right now. Like, man, when I say it's a great time for women's wrestling, it's so funny because my biggest complaints are in WWE and AEW and what's going on in the indies and Ring of Honor, who's never been like outstanding with women's wrestling, is so awesome to see. So they're just doing a great job killing it on diversity of backgrounds and ring styles and and the storytelling that's gone on there and mixing in your Chelsea Greens um 
with like your homegrown talents in Roxy with the pop that Max the Impaler was getting like such, such great work. So just absolute kudos to them for how they've rebuilt themselves over the past 18 months in general. And with this women's division and Rick Abani, cause he's just the best. <laughs> he's a great man. He's a great broadcaster. You know, I, that was I the, yeah. the first I'd seen him not like in a suit. Cause him and Caprice are always dressed to the nines. I was like, yeah. look at him in like a baseball cap. <laughs> Uh, it, it's a it's a great conversation you want to hear about I, I i've had more interest and in i've heard from more fans but how did you guys do this like how was this different when you're doing these shows with no fans and and wwe had uh one of their better documentaries they do incredible documentaries about how wrestlemania was a, a bit, way bigger production this year than anything they've had and how they had to really ramp everything up and come out of the pandemic and stuff like that and and i think this time in wrestling will be looked at in a very very special way the further even though we're only a few months away from it the the pandemic era that we're still just sliding out of biologically right uh but no i I think uh, ring of honor deserves all the praise here for what they're doing and they've always been the pure sport brand even with the women division that they haven't changed that they're bringing in the the purest athletes they can for that division so they know what they are uh i just uh, i hope i hope they find they find their feet underneath them here and i think they can do it in a faster way than maybe some others have I, Kevin, I think it really give impact a run for their money in terms of that third major spot in the United States. Kevin, to your point, I think in a in a few years, people are going to look back on the the pandemic era uh, a, a lot differently and have a much bigger appreciation for what these major companies put themselves through. Uh, I had the uh, honor of writing a the the a rest in peace Thunderdome uh, article for Fightful magazine for the uh, September and October uh, uh, edition, and man, yeah, just looking back on it, it clearly had its problems. Obviously, it had its problems creatively, you know, logistically, but there were a lot of really, really great moments that were created just inside the pandemic era. The tribal chief, first and foremost, born inside the Thunderdome. All right. The Undertaker retiring inside the Thunderdome. Uh, So there were a lot of really, really great moments that I think people are going to look back on and realize just how successful that era of wrestling really, really was all things considered. I think people hated it toward the end because we were tired of endless rematches and we wanted crowds back and we wanted things to get ramped back up again. And we're so damn happy that these wrestling's hotter than it's ever been in decades. Uh, but uh, yeah, people are going to look back on that in a few years and realize how uh, how good it was, all things considered. I got how to talk about, to you. Uh, go ahead, Kate. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Ahead. I was just going to say, how about like 80% of AEW's entire existence being yeah. in the pandemic era? like ROH getting stronger than it have has ever been while having the strictest protocols of that ROH bubble of taping ahead. With no like, fans. With, no, with fans. no fans. I talked to a talent there and he was like, yeah, there were times where Gresham would wrestle like three times in a day because we were taping and he was the guy. And he was like, if that guy's not complaining and doing it with the attitude that Gresham has, you can't complain as a wrestler yourself about the circumstances you're in. That guy is the leader of the company and There's like doing great... it with a smile on his face. It's, it's so cool to see how people have navigated this. It's really incredible. You you bring up Gresham. There's something great. They had a tournament. They did they, the ring of honor just tournaments very, very well. And they had a pure title tournament. And it was the idea of, Hey, we can just make everything completely focused on the ring, not working off the fans. And we can really lay into the commentary and the sport and fill all the gaps. And they did a great job with it. Even though you would literally just hear the bumps and then you would, you wouldn't hear anything. Yeah. Uh, and, you, but there was commentary was live at ringside. And Ian said they were doing things in the match and we thought it was going one way and they changed it and did something different. 
And he asked somebody later, like, why did you do this? He's like, we heard you guys on commentary bring something up. So we, we called something different on the fly. And I was, I was like, oh, wow. And, and I just have to assume that's probably happened many times. Bailey well, ate up the space. Exactly. On camera. And, and Asuka became a bigger star than, than maybe she ever was in front of fans. Drew McIntyre, that uh, incredible organic moment, him in a room winning this title that he was supposed to win in a football stadium that sold out on the mat and the biggest stage the business has in WrestleMania and Brock Lesnar doing the favors for him. And he does something as simple as no one telling him to do it. Just reaching out to the camera and just putting his hand out and holding it there and saying, let me get this shot. Let me just let people know we're going through a tough time. We're going to get through this. I'm going to hold this belt and I'm going to try and be a hero for you. And the art of wrestling challenged in this completely different way. Really looking forward to that article you had coming out. But I, I liked it. I liked it. Someone who worked in it too was behind the scenes with, with an indie, and we're trying to do things. And, and, and every, look, the first rapid test I ever took for pandemic was at one of these shows. So yeah, I, I'm, I, I get it, man. Yeah, and you know, again, you you talk, you bring up Bailey, somebody who the name just blew up, just just totally blew up from that first show. She got it, man. She got it. She started screaming at Michael Cole and and laying into him on commentary for things that he would say because for the first time ever they could hear what everything that was being said <laughs> right there throughout the entire match so instead of ignoring it she decides screw it I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna F around with Michael Cole I got to talk to Natalia earlier this year she was like look Bailey was an absolute MVP of this pandemic both on stage and out and behind the scenes because she was the one keeping everybody up up telling them to keep energized perform for the fans out there screw around with michael cole do go out there and have fun pop yourselves right and just th- bailey just watching the maturation of her over the course of the pandemic was, was brilliant to watch same thing for dr Britt baker to go from somebody who was hurt right blew out her knee to becoming the biggest effing star in women's wrestling is insane to me the work that she was able to do and just completely take over that division even when she couldn't wrestle even when there weren't fans there guys if we've learned anything it's pick on commentators her relationship with tony shivani bailey with michael cole i mean come on That's the key to success is just punk out us broadcasting nerds. That's uh, it. <laughs> uh, Dr. Britt Baker, speaking of her, she had some uh, comments about the uh, new championship last night, the TBS title introduced. That was the uh, latest uh, announcement from uh, Tony Khan, even though it was Tony Schiavone who made it. So I thought it was weird that they were advertising Tony Khan uh, to make this big announcement. But anyway, uh, so they announced the TBS title. She's like, good, fine, fantastic. A title for, for all you peons to, to fight over because ain't nobody going to touch my shit. Uh, but you know what? It's not going to get treated as a secondary title uh, like the like some other championships are. I love the fact that they're giving the women more to fight for, uh, Kate, in, in AEW because they do have a growing division. This is something that I've been clamoring for for, for WWE to have for a long time. I'm like a version of an intercontinental championship or United States title, something that's built for the Zelina Vegas or the Liv Morgans and kind of build up uh, that not, not to be disrespectful, but the lower card, basically anybody below the four horsewomen, because until Bianca Belair showed up, those are the only ones who were winning championships, them and Oscar, basically. Uh, I have been clamoring for this for them for a while. So I'm really happy to see uh, uh, AEW bring in uh, another championship uh, for the women, their version of the, uh, the TNT title here. Yeah, it's with a great deal of cautious optimism that I'm going to watch it. Uh, There's been so many times where I thought there were moments that were going to straighten out the division. 
I think we're getting there. And I think the talent pool has expanded so much and that's really helpful. Um, you know, the Joshi tournament I thought was going to be a huge deal. It wasn't the winner no. was, was on a W like once and they brought zero other storylines out of it. The tag same thing with the, the tag tournament they did as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Stop putting it on YouTube and put it on TV to make it feel important. That might be helpful. Um, but they, again, no storylines. We did, however, get Tay Conti signed out of that. So to me, that's a huge win, but there's been so many times that they've hit like the reset button or added something that I thought was going to finally move things in a positive direction. The thing that seems to have actually done that has been this rain from Britt Baker and that lights out match with Rosa. Like what an incredible match. Um, I was very disappointed with the cheeseburger and Isla Rose feud being the thing that came out of the gate with that. But uh, the work she did with Chris Atlander was fantastic. That match at one of the most perfect pay-per-views I've ever seen. Fantastic match. Um, but they keep doing like these, these one week storylines or these hot shots. Like if they can actually get the booking and tell compelling stories like they do, I don't know every other piece of AEW that would be great, but I, I'm very excited that this is happening. I think you've seen some <laughs> tremendous growth with your Tay Contes, the signing of Kira Hogan. You obviously have Ruby Soho. Thunder Rose is a star. Jade is green, but a star nonetheless. Like, and you have up the screen when she's on it. Exactly, know? exactly. And I think you there are ways to protect her. Um, you didn't bring up Brandy Rhodes, Kate. Why didn't you bring up Brandy Rhodes? Um, you know, because she's been out of action and. In, in my opinion, what do you mean? She's the star. She's the star of the reality series Roads to the Top. Oh, good reality shows for my wrestling. Um, <laughs> I just, I, uh, yeah. Wait, are they using reality shows to get women into storylines? That's I haven't oh, seen gosh. that before. No, it would be neat if you told a damn story and women wanted to watch it. Like, it's so funny how people are like, How do we get women to watch our product? I don't know. The same way. That we've always been interested in women's wrestling. Put them on the damn screen and we'll probably be interested. You know why the women's wrestling was successful in WWE when you had the four horse women? Because you put women that can wrestle on the screen. That's why and we got interested. And, and you cared about them and you and, and they, they got reactions and they went they didn't I mean it's one thing to have people who can wrestle, but they got they put out women who could wrestle, had characters, could connect and, yes. and could do dynamic yes. things. They yeah. didn't when it was when it was at its peak in WWE, they didn't have the, a, 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 a stacked SmackDown women's roster and then not put them on TV for two consecutive weeks, not have a single match for two consecutive weeks, not cut Zelina Vega from a New York show 9-11 week, like not not finally give them a match on that third week and have it only be three minutes long. Right. So there's 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 things that they can obviously be doing better that I'm hoping we're going to get to here or like. And actually, this is a complaint I have across WWE in general right now, but lay it's in. also in the women's division. Lay so. in, lay in, Kate, lay in. Oh, I'm laying in, buddy, because if you're going to sit here and tell me that Liv Morgan has something to prove to Carmella after she already beat her fucking twice. Sorry, I swore I was doing good. Uh, I think three times, three times, I think. Three times, yes, because at the paper, too. You're right. <laughs> I know. Edit. I need the dump button right here. No, it's all right. No, we're, we're, I'm, I'm not dumping. It's 40 minutes into the show. We're 40 minutes in. That's the most I've gotten without swearing in the past week. Um, you saved the high spots for later in the match, Kate. You don't blow early. It's called long-term storytelling, guys. I got to that. <laughs> um, 
I, I guess if we're talking WWE women's division, I should be calling you all bitches, though. Or oh, uh, bitches is the new. It's the verbal chair shot of wrestling. It is along yeah. with balls. You guys don't have the balls to hit the stuff <laughs> button. When I swear, hey, hey, don't hey, don't give me that shit. Don't, don't give, give me, me that, that shit. shit. Way to be a oh bitch, God. Rick. <laughs> I. I'm pretty sure there were five balls promos in the past two weeks of wrestling. Even my CM Punk, who I'm the biggest mark of in the whole wide world, fell victim to it yesterday. But between yeah. that and 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 threatening murder, uh, that seems to be the uh, the hot thing in in wrestling. <laughs> it is. People keep forgetting that Eddie Kingston in canon murdered someone it isn't just arn anderson eddie kingston murdered someone like six months ago guys come on get on board um but yeah like here's what women want in wrestling i'm gonna let this is you should pay while this because this is such <laughs> valuable content that nobody has seemed to thought of yet um we like good storytelling with women in it that makes sense holy shit mind blown guys that's, that's what we all want. it is that's all what? it is we want versatile well-rounded women's wrestlers with logical stories and we want them on my screen uh for more than six minutes between 9 18 and 9 24 p.m where you promote heels which is the biggest load of crap that i can't even get into because we'll be here all night uh and then go to picture in picture and then cut away to a full commercial when you have Sheeta and Serena D putting on a wrestling clinic on my television. So hey, stop doing on that. Now, Kate, 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 the great people at Pizza Hut just put cheese in the crust <laughs> and we need to know about it. I take everything back that I said. Okay. Will they allow us to use pizza cutters though? Because you know how that went with Domino's. Uh, We're burning bridges left and right here. Okay. <laughs> Yes, I'm yes, so um, sorry. You guys shouldn't post this episode. We did. You just cost us our heel. little Caesars hot and ready promo right there. <laughs> Damn it, man. Now, I'm, uh, Kate, I'm a heel. <laughs> now, now, part of the reason why I, I wanted to get you on, and then, you know, obviously all of this, you know, great women's content just fell right into our lap. So it just turned out to be the perfect week. But uh, you do. Yeah, we, we, we uh, picked the perfect week to have you on. Yeah. You do do the post show uh, for NXT every week, NXT 2.0, excuse me, uh, with Alex over there on, uh, on Fightful. We are four weeks in now to the NXT 2.0, and I know there were a lot of people who were really apprehensive when they heard all the changes are coming, and then we get the the In Living Color style logo and all the, the brightness and everything like that, and we get like 18 million new faces uh, chucked at us here. I can appreciate what they're trying, what they're attempting to do. They're throwing everything against the wall and trying to see what sticks. <laughs> what is sticking for you from what they've done over the first month here? Um, well, Tony D'Angelo is a national treasure. I think we know that. Here's Tony the problem. D'Angelo is right down the black. Chicago, good day. Chicago, but also his family does deals up and down the Atlantic. Like, here's the thing. He was getting ironically over, and now he's just over. It's the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> but in a sincere way, the thing, the only thing that is... Hasn't had a match. <laughs> Well, he did okay. last night. Oh, he no, did last night, yeah. All right, I'm behind, um, I'm behind. I'm, I'm, I'm watching. He and his velour tracksuit pants and his rat tail came out and put on a match oh, for you, did. buddy. Um, I know guys like that in Chicago, which is creepy. There you go. They're <laughs> well, real. That, he's done his character work, obviously. He yeah, he's, he's, been, he's, been, he's been hanging around. The game. He's been uh, on Maxwell Street late at night. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> and I, I, 
honestly, his match wasn't bad either. Uh, and the crowd was honestly really, really into him. I think he'll end up being a babyface uh, sooner rather than later. I love how he tried to bribe the referee. That's uh, what won the- me over. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was he that tried was to bribe the referee at the beginning of the match, which was really, really clever. I love his finisher. I don't know if they gave it his name, gave it a name yet, but somebody on Twitter said it needs yeah. to be sleeping with the fishes, uh, oh, which yeah. I think, it, yeah, which I think is, uh, is the perfect. fish sleeper. Yeah. <laughs> or like the cement shoes. It needs to be something yeah. stereotypical. The one thing that is sincerely working for me is I'm just going to call him Rex Steiner because the thing that isn't working for me is him being called Braun Breaker. Uh, with the two K's in his name. Uh, we rant about it. <laughs> Break a car. Like the worst name that you could possibly have. And it just blows my mind when he walks like a Steiner. He talks yeah. like a Steiner. He uses yeah. the Steiner recliner um, that they won't acknowledge that he's a Steiner is so weird to me. I think um, it's, it's, this, it's this fundamental. Yeah, it's this fundamental licensing thing that WWE keeps coming into in the last 10, 20 years, where if we can't license the name the way we want, you're not going to be on TV with that name. And and it comes and it, that's why like, I think they could have come up with something one. better than Braun Breaker. Yeah. I agree. I agree. K. It's it's, it's Braun Breaker sounds K. like a well, I know, but I'm just saying it sounds <laughs> like, like an action figure. But I was like, the guy looks like an action figure. Just call him Rex Steiner. Right. I agree with you. Um, but I don't know. I, I, he's out there. He's Rex Steiner, you know? Now here's the thing that sucks though, is that they, and I get it right They're They're strapping the rocket to his back. Cause clearly he is a, he's a, I think he's the top he's prospect. He's doing a solid job. Top prospect can't miss since coming to NXT in, in a long time for me. Like this guy's going to be, you know, main event in WrestleMania before we know it. I think he's, he's that rock solid. Um, but they just put the championship back on Tommaso Ciampa for the first time in like 900 days. They're, he's gonna they're gonna hot shot it right to Braun. Yeah. There's no way in hell Tommaso Ciampa is retaining this belt, which has been on a massive hopscotch run due to a lot of injuries. But that thing has had no sustainability whatsoever in the last year. And they just put it on Tommaso Ciampa, and it seems like he's gonna be a, a transitional champion already. Yeah, that is an absolute bummer to me for a few reasons. But the biggest one to me that it's a bummer for is like imagine if you actually gave this guy six months to develop and then that happens. Like to me, you, you don't lose anything by having Braun break a car, uh, <laughs> lose to Choppa, but you do lose something to having the established vet who was here in NXT, who's synonymous with NXT that matters to fans like me mm-hmm. lose. Uh, and there was just something that was so obvious to me that they haven't done which is if Samoa Joe had to relinquish the title, which he did, why do you not have him come out and give a four second promo about how it's like a new era. And if it's not going to be his belt, it should be this new guy. Like it's so simple to make Braun Breaker or Von Wagner, who I don't even, I don't know who he is. Like he got a title shot after having one match and now wants to make Kyle O'Reilly believe in love again, I guess. Um, like why not have Samoa Joe who even if you don't know who he is and you're turning in for the first time you're like that guy's important and I know it (laughs) you just know have him be like I physically can't hold the title good for Ciampa but like we're in a new era and there's this new guy and let me tell you about him in four sentences and like there's continuity there uh, so that to me is the most disappointing thing is why is Samoa Joe, who was the enforcer. I think you're saving that for something. 
I think I think I think that's still a possible oh, thing. You're one of those let it play out people. God yeah, bless yeah. your heart. Yeah. He's an yeah. apologist of sports keto wrestling. I'm not an apologist. I just let oh, things yes. happen. You know. Yeah, but when was the last time you got rewarded for doing that? And plenty of times. Plenty of times. You know, like I, I was. I loved seeing Biggie on television win a title. That was fun. I enjoyed it, and it was. That really, was because. It was really all out though that's the only reason sure it was that. because all out that that's what made it happen i I'm went to the shows i have for, fun i'm still waiting for Liv morgan's vignettes to play out from when she was in a bathtub oh like, god jk yeah. what, what, what you're next? a lesbian jk no you're not like <laughs> jk they, they don't reward us for letting things play this, out this is anymore. why this is this is why i was praying that wb because i was at extreme rules okay i heard the massive thunderous pop live in the freaking arena that Liv Morgan got for a pre-show match against Carmella. This was a match that we had seen three times already, a match that was moved to the pre-show that usually people don't care about. You still have people filing into their seats and the loudest damn pop of the night until Becky Lynch showed up was Liv Morgan. And that one, two, three count, again, on a rematch with Carmella on the pre-show was enormous. The fans are behind her. The fans want to see this woman get pushed, which is why I was hoping she would have something major happen during the WWE draft. And then she freaking goes undrafted. Gets beat up by Carmella in a shiny Destro mask and goes undrafted. That was her reward for that massive pop that she got, which was worse than the massive pop she got at Money in the Bank because she was taken off TV for three weeks after Money in the Bank. Which is even more insane. Also, why are there three mask gimmicks happening in a month in WWE? You have Sheamus, who I don't know if you guys heard. He actually broke his nose. I don't think they mentioned it. Uh, Carmella with her sparkle mask. And you had Mandy Rose with her broken face that was not at all broken in any way, shape, or form. I just... It just makes sense. We don't get rewarded for letting things play out in WWE anymore. Not over the past 18 months. I'll put it that way. Other than I, by I also force. Think, I also think part of that isn't like, like I'm not, this isn't like an apologist thing. I think it's circumstantial sure. in the sense of, I don't think fans are as patient for those things as maybe they were before. And I think that's more of a media consumption thing. I want it now. I binge it. I get to have it all now. And when so many people get to like binge a whole show, right? The, the squid game show came out on Netflix. You get to watch the whole thing in a day if you wanted to. And you get all of the escalation and all the payoff right away. And I see that more and more across the board. I see it with music now, too. You know, with people that don't want to enjoy an album, they just want to enjoy singles and stuff like that. So I think wrestling is starting yeah. to have that issue now with week to week television. I want the six month build me up to the top of the mountain payoff, but I want it in three weeks. Okay. And, so did you yeah. hear the reception for Hangman yesterday? It was awesome. They've had They've had CM Punk, yeah, Brian Danielson, and Adam Cole debut, and this has been going on for technically since before the company started, but for two years, and fans are still invested because you told a good story over those past two years. So I don't think that's the issue. It might be with the WWE demographic versus an AEW one because the, you're, the you're WWE literally dealing is a with lot, children. It's, yeah. The WWE audience is a lot more than just like one specific audience. It's spinning a lot of different plates for kids, for women, for all these different things too. So if you want to if you want to see yeah. just what the what what the melting pot is, what the hodgepodge 
hodgepodge is for for a, re- a WWE audience. Go to a live show. Yeah. Because the last show that I went to, which was Monday Night Raw in Cincinnati, I'm sitting next to a seven year old girl who is screaming for everybody to kick people in the shins, <laughs> and I'm sitting next to so specific. Uh, I right. That's like the only move she wanted to see all night. She uh, again. I can't. I can't argue with her. Very effective. Uh, getting kicked in the shins is. But you know, you know, music. Effing shins kicked in. That's that girl. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, and then I'm, I'm sitting next to uh, a 65 year old woman who has no idea who any of these people are in the ring and is just like, oh my god, is he okay? Like it's like every other 10 seconds. And it's like, and then behind me, I got the bros, right. Yeah. Who are, who are into it and everything. It's such a hodgepodge of these live audiences. So it is kind of, you know, honestly, I forget where my point was. Uh, when I was AEW doesn't have that issue. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lot of hardcore P one wrestling. It's du- it's dudes and chicks that want to come out and see some people kick some ass. So I, it's a little but, bit more streamlined. They don't have to be a buffet for everybody. I will say there is a point where they got, so out of touch, it's not going to appeal to anyone because I was thinking about things like Nikki A.S.H. versus, um, you know, what what Alexa Bliss was doing as as this fiend character. And I was like, crap, you know what, though? Nine year old Kate, like little kid Kate still thinks Nikki A.S.H. is kind of lame and that what Alexa Bliss is doing is really cool. So, like, there is a point where they just are not operating and in anybody's interest, I think. But I understand what you're saying about people wanting things to be hot-shotted. I also think that's a creation of their own devices. Of yeah. We have a gimmicked pay-per-view every month where the gimmicks yeah. are going to determine the programming instead of yeah. building the other way out. So it's, And we it's, have a pay-per-view every month. Yeah, you know? just that you so have, have one. have to pay yeah. off every month. Oh, yeah. We got a pay-per-view coming up in two weeks on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, that's going to be, uh, those, those are going to do huge numbers. They're trying their best to put on a great show though. They got a lot of really, really good matches. I will uh, say on cars. paper, trying to make me care. Damn yes. It. On I don't paper, care about crown jewel on paper, this WWE crown jewel show, the Saudi Arabia shows are kind of a brush off by a lot of fans, right? This, this, this one on paper though, does intrigue me. I'm not saying I'm sold on it or I'm, I'm like a pumped, but it, we're getting a tournament. It's got Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, and and Bianca Belair. I mean, I'm I'm gonna so, freaking watch it. Listen to what you just said, though. The most compelling women's story that they put on in 18 months. Well, I take that back. Bianca and Sasha at WrestleMania was incredible. Loved but, it. And, and I take that all back because Sasha and Bailey did some of the best wrestling there was. But the the build, best. Hold on, I'm sorry. The build to Sasha and Bianca was no. Is it great because they focused it all the around ma- Reggie. The match, the match was great. The match, the match was fantastic. Was fantastic. Yeah, the and, and Bailey and Sasha, the work they did in the pandemic was outstanding. This is by far the most compelling women's triple threat you've put on probably since Mania 36. And you're doing it at 11 a.m. on a Thursday <laughs> in a country where they don't like women. Like, come on. A lot, lot of women watchers in Saudi Arabia. A lot of little, lot of little girls in Saudi Arabia. So I mean, they're they're they're, they're doing it for them. They're doing I it for them. Have no rights, but <laughs> yes, you were. Uh, yes. Uh, okay. So bless your heart. Putting, putting that aside. <laughs> putting that aside. The the new rosters, right? That that we just got drafted uh, this week. Those are going to take into effect right after uh, Saudi Arabia. That show in uh, in Crown Jewel. And uh, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't really know what to think. Um, I don't know how Fox signed off on this final roster because SmackDown got absolutely gutted, uh, especially from the the main event level looking at it. If you look at people who are convincingly ready to challenge Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship, you have Brock Lesnar, 
Uh, Drew McIntyre, which if he loses to Big E, will now be on a a, a three a feud losing streak, uh, and that's it. That that's literally it. They don't have anybody else who's built up ready to challenge Roman Reigns on the entire roster. That's not a shot at anybody like Shinsuke Nakamura or Sami Zayn or Ricochet or any of those guys. Even Happy Corbin. I think all of those guys are talented enough and could, with the right buildup, convincingly beat Roman Reigns. So nobody's ready though. Drew could, I think, realistically, right? Yeah. And Drew went to yeah. SmackDown. Um, yeah. yeah, no, there's there was a lot of puzzling things about this draft. The first and foremost to me was breaking up the New Day again. Again. I, I don't get that at all. There's such a natural story to tell between the Hurt Business and the New Day. It's right there. That made no sense to me. They, they you used the right verb. They absolutely gutted SmackDown. I don't understand... I guess maybe they were like, we want Roman, we want Charlotte, and maybe another name or two. And they were like, as long as we have them, we don't care. But, uh, you know, the, the most puzzling things to me were not the division of talent because there's no way I'm convinced that they stay separate. The most puzzling things to me were, um, why is NXT, who you've just made a very big deal out of reminding us is developmental and not a third brand, why is anybody from there getting drafted before literal champions on your show? Why yep. did you demolish the entire women's tag team division? Why again? did you break up the, again? I mean, literally, as in there is no division. I don't mean just like, they made it weak. There's no division outside of the team. championship holders. There's one team. There's one team, and they're the champs. And they've been together for like three weeks. And why did you call Shotzi and Tegan up? Um to not give them their shot and then to split them onto different rosters. It's absolutely puzzling to me and it's, it's insulting. And then to also be starting it after here's what I thought was going to happen. And, and Sean, to his credit, thought of this on our Friday post show. And I really liked this idea. I thought after they made, they, they made this big stink about Roman saying, uh, those is better stay on SmackDown to, to Paul Heyman that they were going to get drafted to raw. And that New Day was going to get drafted and Heyman was going to have to work some trickery to switch those two teams. And then they would line up back. No, the Usos just got drafted to SmackDown. So there was no payoff for that. Like there's, it's bad roster decisions and bad story decisions when you had an opportunity to reset literally everything. I don't That was one of your big storylines. That was one of your big storylines heading into Monday night. And it was over in the first 20 minutes of the show. And 17 minutes of that was a promo. Uh, yeah. that didn't even involve the Usos to be completely honest with you. And yeah, it was, it was a, it was a little bit of a bummer. I know we did the watch along live, but I mean, yeah. cause I thought raw was on this like sharp, like upward trajectory. Like you see, they've been down for so long, but it got so exciting with biggie as the new champion on the show coming on and cashing in. And they opened the show with these big promos with him and they closed with big matches. And that's what they've been doing for the last few months. They did bloodline versus the new day on TV. And even though it turned into an angle, it was still very exciting and it went somewhere and it ended the night on some big things. So I was, I was expecting a lot more from the draft and I, I wouldn't say I was let down across the board. There was some high, there were some high parts of it, but for the most part, it was let down. I mean, for the most part it was. And, and I don't mind. So there were some some of the more odd choices are the ones that intrigue me more. Gable Stevenson being called up right from it. No, no time in NXT. We're putting him right on television. It's weird. It's different. Ridge Holland being pulled up from NXT. It's weird. It's different. Not opposed to it. So, I mean, those are the only bright spots I could point out. But I mean, yeah, like who's ready to go on SmackDown? That's the only part I could. This is me putting a spin on. 
that that brings me back to the ruthless aggression era when they when they did the first real brand split people had to come up you know someone's gonna have to go up someone who's been sitting who's been waiting there who needs a role is going to go up Sami Zayn could suddenly become a top heel and if that's he my to that's ways. my hope that's what's giving me some optimism about smackdown here is they are almost forced now to book Rick, ricochet like he matters they're almost forced to book Sami Zayn like he matters, which they should matter because they're incredible effing talents. And Ricochet, my heart literally broke when I found out he was challenging for the 24-7 championship on Raw. I'm like, what in the blue hell are we doing? Drew yes. Gulak getting drafted to SmackDown gives me hope that they're actually going to do something with him. So they 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 almost the handful of things he did on SmackDown before were good. I remember he was in that icy yeah, title yeah, tournament great. and it was awesome. Yeah, it was yeah. so I'm hoping maybe the King of the Ring tournament will help you know elevate uh, some of these some of these guys up as well. And that was the other big announcement that came out this week that we're not getting you know one king just King of the Ring, but we're also getting wait for it, Kate, the Queen's Crown tournament. Do they get crowned at the same time? Come. Is it like a prom? Is it like a uh, like a, oh a prom king and queen ceremony? Then they have to dance after. That's and they have I to hope. they have to take the yeah. photo like this. They have to take the photo. Yeah. The backdrop. <laughs> yeah, and the backdrop is like their LED screen. I love it. Uh, I'll say this: by force, yes. Hopefully, they'll have to properly put weight on some talent. Am I hopeful for that? No. I think you're going to yeah. see Mad Cat Moss be a tag team champion. Um, I. <laughs> I am excited that by nature, some of these rematches are just going to be done because like they're just literally not on the same. Yeah. Circumstantially, anymore. some of those Thank are out God. the window. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good part of it. Um, let's hope. Let's hope because the the talent is not the issue on these rosters. No, it's not. It's, it's their present. It's their presentation and their their footing on the. Is the uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? They're you know just the presentation, their footing where they are on the card, yeah. uh, where how they've been booked uh, I, is. I was is, just is, surprised is, so many big names are not on SmackDown. And SmackDown not. is, yeah. and, and, and SmackDown. I mean, Raw Raw needs work, right? And it's never easy to do this. But That's Raw another thing is you're dealing with two different TV networks that both want two different things, and SmackDown is clearly the most watched globally wrestling show in the world. You know. Right. And you got to maintain that. And that it's it's just not easy. I'm not letting them have the pass, though. I'm not. Yeah. Heading heading into uh, the draft, SmackDown was clearly heavy on star power and didn't have enough TV time to to fit them all in there, which is True. why we had a, a women's roster that was 9, 10 deep that we never got on TV. They only had two hours, and clearly they prioritized putting, you know, Roman Reigns and other people on the show first, which I understand. Sorry, they're, they're not women's wrestlers. They're bitches. Oh, right, right. Bitches. So the uh, bitches yeah. division. Yeah. Excuse me. I, I can't excuse me. Bitch superstars. Yes. Bitch oh, excuse super me. Yes, that superstar. Uh, entertainers. Yes, entertainers. Uh, I'm going to have to trademark the word bitch superstar. It'll be available at Pro Wrestling Tees. That is a t shirt. I will take 20%. Thank you. What? <laughs> Get your points, Kate. Get your points off the top. So I was expecting them to obviously dig into that roster a little bit. They dug way too far. I'm expecting. Just based off of how the roster is set up, I'm expecting Asuka and Bailey to wind up on SmackDown when they come back, uh, just because I think they would get lost in the shuffle. Now on Monday Night Raw, I think uh, SmackDown needs a little bit more uh, star power. But um, the other thing they really need on SmackDown, especially in the women's division, is a babyface. Yep. They, have, they have Naomi and Tony Storm, who's been on TV like twice. That's yeah, it. she was like a cute girl that told Dolph Ziggler that she was more into Rick 
boogs than him. Uh, which is, again, as a straight woman, not the choice that you would make. Uh, <laughs> oh, you, you would choose you z- Zigzag Man before b- boogs? Yeah, pretty much anybody over someone who has like uh, baby jean short gear i would say and if you know anything are about you guitars, saying this man can't pull off overalls i'm saying he can't pull off tiny baby overalls and that nobody can actually <laughs> look i've said this before flying v guitars are nonsense if you know anything about guitars it's a terrible guitar you can't play it on your lap there's nowhere good to put your output jack it's he's even his guitar choice sucks so he loses me he there does, but he does a good job it is a it is a fun gimmick i enjoy watching it but he should be a heel like he's real hateable in my opinion yeah. like in a fun way like he should yeah. be a heel i agree um, i agree but yeah this is you know they are bad at booking baby faces all over the board so again i don't want to position this as just a women's division complaint because nope. this is something that is atrocious across the product also is relevant in the women's division as well. They're just not good at booking baby faces right now. They got um, a great top heel though. Roman Reigns is just uh, fant- uh, it's easy to boo the guy. It's real. But, you enjoy wanting to see people kick his ass. You know? And as long as they have Charlotte and Sasha on the same show, the women's division is in, is in really, really good hands. The interesting thing is though, Charlotte's the raw women's champion. So she's on SmackDown. Now Becky is the SmackDown women's champion on raw defending the title in a match where there's only one woman who's on the SmackDown roster. So I don't know if they're telegraphing it that Sasha's going to win, or we're going to just wind up with one of those weird, stupid title swaps. Like we got with the street profits and the new day last year, just get the TV brands off the belts. I don't mind yes. rebranding them. I don't, they know. really should be the WWE women's champion and the universal women's champion. Yeah, like I have, no, I, have, I have no issue with that. And then you're not tied to the television deals with it in terms of the presentation and things like that. And yeah, yeah. it's, it's silly. I think you'll have Charlotte drop though, because it helps her to drop titles quickly because then it builds up to her dad's record, which yeah. maybe that's not going to be the story that it was based on the way Ric Flair is. No, and that, that's, that that's not on her. That's not, not at all. Her. I feel, I no. feel so bad. for. And her. that would have been such a special, that's a mania moment, you know? And, and that, yes. that would have been so cool to do. And like, it would have been cool if they got to do it with Cena too. And that, that's that like the stink on that isn't fair to anybody. And, like those fun, like lifetime milestone moments, like when the streak and stuff like that. You yeah. can only do those once, you know. You can yeah. only do those once, and so that isn't fair to like that's awful circumstantial crap that happens, you know. You, have you uh, got a heart out? Yeah, I got a heart out. I have to talk to uh, Dominic Mysterio, uh, so that'll be a fun conversation. Uh, and uh, of course, this is about the big WWE tour that is, uh, you know, they're pounding the pounding the pavement, making the towns. And I want to remind fans, if you're in the Midwest, you want to win tickets to see the Super Show. House shows are very fun. If you've never been to a quote-unquote house show, they are delightful experiences. Because you don't have any TV breaks and you get to see everybody from both brands on one show. And it's not a pay-per-view. And there's going to be a big one in Rockford, Illinois at the BMO Harris Bank Center December 18th, right after SmackDown, right before uh, Raw. And we're giving away tickets, the xrockford.com. I'm on air for them uh, every weekday. Uh, and you can go get your tickets at the xrockford.com. You can also check out my interview with Three McIntyre uh, promoting that show and a whole lot more. So I'm out of here. Kate, thank you so much. Hopefully, we get to see you again. All right. Well, uh, we'll thank you. We'll wrap it up, Kev. Go do your thing. All right, Kev Callum out of here. Uh, Inside Cradle continuing for just a few more moments. Uh, Kate, I do want to dive into the. Uh, 
the the last big news that we uh, we had here because I was trying to speed this show up long enough, but uh, we always go way long anyway. Queen's Crown Tournament, King of the Ring Tournament, back. Um, very very happy. Uh, one superstar in particular is very very ecstatic that the uh, King of the Ring is back. There is no way in hell that anybody other than Xavier Woods should win this damn thing, right? I am in firm belief that that should be the case as well. Uh, I don't trust booking across the board at this point, but how you don't do that is is such an obvious thing to me. And then maybe you give Kofi an IC title run or something. Like, I think it would be fun to have them all holding individual belts at the same time. Why not? Like, I think that could be a really great story, especially if you are going to have them on different brands for some reason. So have them all holding different titles of some sort at the same that time would be really fun. That was my goal. Like that's, that's what I wanted. Not my goal, but my hope uh, when I thought they were all going to be on raw, I thought it would have been really cool a few months down the line to have Big E with the WWE title, Kofi Kingston with the United States title. Whenever Damian priest was ready to, to jump up to the next level, I thought, and moving over to SmackDown would have made a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, and then you can crown Kofi King, uh, crown Xavier Woods, and it's like you got the WWE champion, the United States champion, and the King of the Ring all in one major faction. And it would have been really effing cool and would have easily solidified their already Hall of Fame level careers that they've had. And the fans would have loved that. And that's part of the thing is I don't think WWE takes into account a lot of the times, believe it or not, Kate what the fans actually want or what the fans would actually enjoy. And that's the other question I have is what's the ultimate goal with the King of the Ring? Because is somebody going to be getting a WWE championship match out of this? Are they going to be getting a title shot? Or is this just going to be more of the Baron Corbin King type uh, booking where they get a crown and a cape and a, and a chair and, and, and that's about it. Because if that's the case, I think Xavier Woods could make a ton out of that role. Whereas if they're, they're trying to build up somebody to challenge for the WWE title off of this and do the stone cold level booking, then maybe it doesn't make sense for Xavier Woods to win that King of the Ring tournament. I think because of the draft and what tournaments can do for hitting reset buttons, I'm a huge like tournament mark in general because Maybe. I like things that feel sports based and tournaments yeah. are, are a thing that happened in sports uh, all the time. So what? I'm a huge fan of that because you can build, I, I'm a new Japan mark too. Like I, I love wrestling that is tournament based because you can just organically build so many storylines. This yes. for Xavier was makes so much sense to me because I don't think they're looking for maybe championship level stuff. I think they're looking for, we have new rosters. We need to clarify where people stand on the card. We need to build some guys up. This is such a simple and easy way to do that. So I, I think it would be fun. And I don't think that I can think of that. We've had a King of the ring, like Xavier Woods would be where he's like yeah. silly and fun and refreshing. And the King would be something that's lighthearted and not like, I am dominance. Like, I think it could be really, really fun. I'm the greatest thing on earth, even though I haven't won a match since I won the damn King of the Ring, which was basically what Baron Corbin was. They put that title, they put that crown on him, and then he lost for two years straight. He just jobs as a king, which makes no sense at all. Didn't um, they go from King of the Ring to the dog food thing, and then he just started losing, right? That was pretty... <laughs> basically, yeah. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, like, I have my issues with the sad and happy Corbin stuff. It's the best character work he's done, for sure. Oh, I, I think it's 
I've always thought, I was like, he kind of has no character and is very mediocre, but he has a cool finisher. That was my opinion on Baron Corbin for a really long time uh, until kind of this run, I, I got to understand some depth, but like you, you were clearly lining him up for something and then just pulled the rug out for like 18 months to two years. So I'm with you on that. I think, you know, what you said about New Day, the thing that bums me out about it is like you said, like they've just so earned that. They've so earned all of them having a title at the same time, or at least a championship and the tag titles at the same time, because they have just been such an unbelievable force as a team, as a stable. And to think of what it started as and and what they've brought it to, I think is so special. I I really wish they would give that to them sooner rather than later. So fingers Uh, crossed that they figure something out. Because none of them are going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, I think Kofi's got a couple more years left on his deal. At least we we think, knock on wood. It is Yeah, that could mean 30 days for all we know, though. So who? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> their contract is going to expire. One of them is going to be working yeah. for free next week. Uh, Sean Ross up will break the story at midnight. <laughs> uh, but but <coughs> just to the last time they put King of the Ring together after, because this is something Xavier Woods has been pushing for for years. They finally bring King of the Ring back. They don't even put him in the tournament. I think it would be incredibly tone deaf to not put him in the tournament here. But at the very least, I think he should make it to the finals. At the very least, I think he could have a very Drake Maverick-esque level run where the crowd is really going to get behind him. And he is, he's incredibly underrated. He shouldn't be. He's one of the best wrestlers and overall performers on the planet. So I think he would, the crowd would clearly be behind him and you could give him some, some top notch level wins on the way up to the finals. And if you want to give it to a guy like Damian priest or Keith Lee or Karrion cross, somebody you're trying to build up into the main event and Xavier looks fantastic in defeat. Okay. I understand that. And that's great. And he got close, but I think that's the bare minimum that they should do for, for Xavier woods. He has to be in the tournament. And I think you gotta, you gotta ride him all the way to the finals at least. And I think, in terms of what a tournament can do for someone, Kofi was so long overdue. Biggie was so long overdue. I feel like if somebody could get made from this, Xavier kind of could. This could be like his standout moment as a New Day member and not just like the reliable guy who's really great but not getting any individual shine. Like yeah, I, I'm the, with the you on that. Guy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the trombone guy. That's what that that's yeah. oh, you're the guy who played the trombone in the New Day. Yeah, like that's what people guy. talk. 12 years from now, that's what people are going to be saying. Oh, yeah, you were the guy who played the trombone in the New Day. Yeah, the other two <laughs> world championships. Yeah, exactly. I, so yeah. got to be the king. Yes, absolutely. And and talking with, I've talked with Biggie and I've talked with the Kofi. They all say he wants this more than a WWE title run. Give it to the man. <laughs> Give, Give it, it to, to the, the man. man. Crown that damn man. The other thing is, and this is, this is big. We're finally getting Queen of the Ring. It's been rumored for years that they've, they've been bringing this up. This is long, long, long overdue. Dumbass name with the Queen's Crown Tournament. So I think me and you are both going to call it, you know, the Queen of the Ring, it's which Queen is what it should be called. But this is, this is, this is big because this is, this is history making, right? This is, the, this is the first of its kind. There's only going to be one first ever Queen's Crown, Queen of the Ring uh, winner. And I think this is somebody that needs to be elevated that needs to win this it can't be somebody like charlotte or becky or even bianca at this point somebody's got to get something out of this and by the way while we're recording this uh they did just announce the first match the first ever match for the queen's crown tournament is going to be on smackdown are you ready for this fresh matchup kate is it becky lynch versus charlotte no it's Liv morgan versus carmella (laughs) is it seriously 
Yes, it is. That's yes. not a rib. That's not like a let me see if I can get Kate to lose her mind in the last 10 minutes of the show. No, WWE on Fox. First ever match in the Queen's Crown has been announced as the tournament kicks off tomorrow night on SmackDown. And there is a big photo of Liv Morgan versus Carmella. That's neat. <laughs> I will say this much. It, I know you do the post show with Sean Ross app mm-hmm. uh, for Fightful. For, for, uh, so we're, we're kind of competitors on Friday nights because I do the, the post show on SK with uh, SP3 and Dutch Mantel. Uh, I, I'll, all I'll say is if Carmelo wins this damn match, Smack Talk this week is going to be must watch because I am going to find a way to burn the internet down. Because Liv Morgan, I, I'm just going to turn into Ultron and just morph into a computer and just take and just destroy the entire world because there is no way in hell that Liv Morgan should lose this match. In fact, she should be the hands down favorite to win the whole effing tournament because she has been through the damn ringer. She has been through so many gimmicks and canceled matches and canceled plans. And the crowd is so damn behind her. But for one reason or another, she can never find her freaking footing with WWE creative. You have the perfect avenue to finally make somebody effing make her. Have her win the damn Queen's, Queen's Crown Tournament. And then the next night on Friday Night SmackDown, challenge the Queen for the Raw Women's title, beat her, and take that title over to Monday Night Raw. That's how I would book it. I don't think there's a chance in hell of that happening, but I like the long-term story booking for Liv Morgan, whose barometer has always been, I got to find a way to beat Charlotte. I think that's a perfect way to book build somebody up into the main event in two weeks but I don't think they're going to do it. No, I think Charlotte's going to win. Uh, <laughs> and she's the queen. It's called the queen's court. Uh, yeah. It's stupid. They should make someone. Both women's divisions desperately need some clarity about who is important outside of their champions. So yeah. I'm with you. I would love Liv to win it. I would love, I don't know if this is going to happen because Sonia deserves to come back in the ring when she feels safe and comfortable to do so after what she's been through. Yes. Um I would love for Naomi and Sonya to be a matchup in this. I would love for this feud to finally happen on screen. I think that would be great. Naomi's another one that uh, every time there's money in the bank, she's in it. She gets a huge pop and they just keep not giving her the opportunities. This has been her best storyline in a very long time. I would like to see her or Liv win. I think I, I have no reason to believe it would be someone other than Charlotte. Liv versus Charlotte as a finals with Liv going over would be so great if Char- and I think Charlotte should put her title on the line. Yeah, that's even there. better. Yeah. That would be really, really cool. I don't, I just can't have faith a, a in cocky, how WWE books women right now, unfortunately. A cocky, a cocky, confident Charlotte saying, not only am I going to eviscerate you in the finals because I know I can beat you. I've beaten you twice already, but I'll put my title on line. It's the AJ Lee after WrestleMania where she lost it to Paige. Exactly. Right? Yeah, it's like, I will put my title on the line because I'm that dang confident that I will beat you and I will beat you easily. And then Liv Morgan gets her moment. The only problem with that is she'd get her moment in Saudi Arabia where there would be like no crowd pop probably. Um, But if she won the title and then came back with it, like they're her holding a title opening raw would be a huge moment for her. A huge moment for her. Looking at the rest of the women's division to be honest, I'm sitting here. I'm like, Trying to think of somebody, I would love the idea of of Sonya getting back in the ring, like you said, if she, if she's ready to do so, 
but saying, all right, Naomi, you want the match against me? You're going to have to earn it and put them on opposite sides of the bracket. And then Sonya and Sonya finds her way into the final, wins her way into the finals and Naomi wins her way into the finals. I think that would be another kind of cool little storyline that they could do instead of burning it on the opening round matchup. I love there's a lot of fun things that they could do. It's just hard because they haven't put importance on anybody. So it feels like it could be anybody. (laughs) Right. They spent six months building up Bianca Belair and then lost to Becky in 26 seconds, which I could complain about, but I'm a Becky Homer, so I won't. Um, You know, I'm just happy that they're back and I love their match that they had at Extreme Rules. They could have been booked a lot better uh, at at SummerSlam. But then the same thing, like they finally put a title on on Nikki, Nikki Cross after years, and then she loses it in her first title defense, which made everything that led up to that mean absolutely nothing and make absolutely no sense. So it's, it feels like they're just doing things for the sake of doing things instead of actually putting some importance on anything. Agreed. And even the way that they handled Ray Ripley's reign, like just not good, just not good. Just not, it's not good wrestling booking because you're saying the outcome is predetermined. So you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Um, the fact that Carmella and Liv are opening this makes no sense. Um, she's already lost to her like at least three times, maybe four. So, yeah, why? but she put on a shiny mask and kicked her ass last week. So now she's got to get her revenge. That's how. This yeah, works. that's that's how things work in life. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, let's, let's just hope it means something. Same for the King of the Ring winner. Um, I'm just happy they're back again. I'm a big tournament homer. Yeah, um, me too. And uh, yeah, and, and 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 real quickly, just going back to the to the women's tag team division. Like, I hope they have a damn plan. I I really do. Um, this seems really odd that they would break up literally every other team. I think they could do some really easy things. One, bring Ember Moon over to to SmackDown and just reunite her with Shotzi. They're not doing much with her on NXT 2.0. She just lost to Mandy Rose this week, and then she. <laughs> semi-aggressively flipped over a table after she lost and 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 that was it um they've been teasing something with her i don't know if it's a heel run or, or what's going on they're teasing something with her i'm hoping she makes her way back up to the main roster but the way she was treated on the main roster the last time she was there like i wouldn't blame her if she she didn't want to go up there so i don't know <laughs> i i think that would be a really easy fix to do there are other things you could bring dakota kai up reunite her with uh with tegan Knox on raw there's there's some things they could do we're probably going to get a bunch of randomly shoehorned together tag teams there it is there's going to be like some weird lottery thing um also not to keep putting my boss over but he did write a story about how much people knew or didn't know about draft and where they were getting and how much like natalia didn't know that she and tamina were going to be split up like it's bad. It is it is bad to do that to your talent. It is bad to decimate an entire division with no plan. So I have I hope they have something cohesive and logical in mind. I'm a little nervous they're just gonna have one women's tag belt between NXT and Raw and SmackDown. I wonder if that is some weird thing that's going to happen, but who knows? I don't know anymore. <laughs> Nothing matters. Nothing matters. Thanks for watching. Yeah, just watch the train wreck uh, that's coming down the pike. What can you do? Hey, we really appreciate uh, you you taking uh, an hour and and 20 minutes out of your uh, your Thursday afternoon to to talk some wrestling with us. Where can people find you uh, on Twitter and and all over the place on Fightful? 
Absolutely. So y'all are going to be real sick of me. Uh, you can catch me on Fightful. Uh, on Tuesday nights, we do the NXT Sour Graps post show. It's me and Alex Pulowski immediately following NXT. And then on Fridays, open up two screens. Watch this wonderful man, Rick. And watch me and Sean doing the AEW Rampage and SmackDown post show also on Fightful. Wednesday nights, I'm at the Mark Order podcast immediately following Dynamite, talking all things All Elite. You can follow them at Mark Order Pod. And you can follow me at Kate on Deck IC on Twitter, where I'm tweeting about baseball, sadly, because I'm a Yankee fan and wrestling and tacos and my dog. Come hang out. You're also, <laughs> a, you're, you're also a Steelers fan, which is oh. like the only the only bad thing about you. Um, That's very sweet about you of you to say. And also, I agree right now because Ben looks bad. <laughs> as, as a diehard as Cincinnati Bengals fan, this is a long time coming. Uh, I, I feel very, very confident that we have the best quarterback in the AFC North, and I'm really, really happy about that. But, but for you, I, I did wear today the closest thing I have to Pittsburgh. And that's my my Dr. Britt Baker shirt. It's the closest thing. It's the closest <laughs> thing I have to Pittsburgh memorabilia in my closet. Uh, and I, I wore it just just for you today because I know you're a big uh, Pittsburgh uh, homer there. So at least that's for the Steelers, anyway. Very kind of you, and uh, I'll be licking my wounds a lot this season. So thanks for not rubbing it in because it's, oh. it's bad, brother. It's yeah, bad. At least you guys <laughs> have a really really solid succession plan from Ben. At least you guys have that uh, going for you. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome and we haven't had three seasons to think of something because the handwriting definitely wasn't on the wall here well you know what you guys are good you got shut up you guys are just gonna trade for aaron Rodgers in the offseason anyway. <laughs> you know that's how, that's how my life works all right we're gonna get a if that happens you can invite me back on the show after that <laughs> sure. will do not a problem absolutely enjoyed it uh guys follow me on the uh, twitter machine at rick uccino r-i-c-k-u-c-c-h-i-n-o for those of you who are listening uh, on the podcast channel on spotify we really really appreciate you guys sticking with us as always inside cradle every thursday night at 8 p.m kev myself will be back next week might have a special guest as well we're working the phones kate thank you very very much and uh enjoy uh smackdown this week hopefully and enjoy your weekend everybody thank you so much